Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things. Hello, Jeff. A lot of times, uh, I'm like, I'm happy that there's no video that goes with this because it allows me to be a little bit more comfortable, yeah. more relaxed. Today, the listeners are missing out because I think you have the greatest sweatshirt on that I've seen you wear. It's uh, the the album cover of Stankonia from Outcast. Mm-hmm. Just in like, big boy. And Andre are like a foot tall on your chest. They are. And I want that. I think I got it at uh, probably like... Spencer's? No, probably like Paxson or something. It's Spencer's gifts. I don't think they would make shirts with broad enough chests for you at Paxson. I'm going to say they probably wouldn't. They, uh, they don't make... They don't, most places don't make clothes that fit this body type. In fact, I actually went and... Ironically, I bought, th- this sounds like a weird sentence, but I bought my first pair of, uh, purchased my first pair of sweatpants since college because when I was playing, like you get so, like travel sweats and then they give you like a pair of sweats to wear when you're working out if you want a pair. And so like I have, I mean, 15 pairs of sweatpants and they're not, I mean, it's Nike stuff. It's all like it's quality, but they're huge because yeah. I'm, I'm smaller now than I was. And so I was like, all right, I'm tired of looking like a hobo wearing these like XXL sweatpants. And so I finally went to um, my, my favorite retail store of TJ Maxx and purchased a pair of sweatpants for the first time in six years. And I'm proud of myself because I'm finally an adult. I bought pants. You bought pants? I bought pants. It makes me an adult. That's what makes you an adult? Yeah. It's really, it's, did you not get that in your driver's license? Like they ask you, like when, you, when they split the license to like be 21... They, it's like one of the questions on there is like, have you bought pants for yourself? <laughs> it's a thing. I got some new pants this weekend. <laughs> I got some sweatpants. Actually, I got some sweatpants too. <clears throat> did you get them from TJ Maxx? I did not. You're missing out. I found some, I found these ones at, uh, at a store that, uh, they're Under Armour. At the top, they're loose, like normal sweatpants. And then as you, it goes down your leg, they're tight joggers well no they're not joggers though they're hammer mc hammer pants they're tight like um you know like basketball player tights Mm -hmm. that's what they are is they're basically designed to be like shorts at the top and then they're like the tights that you wear so they're mc hammer pants mc hammer pants are loose all the way through no they're not yes they are no those are zubas mc hammer pants they were tight enough for him to do that dance you look it up mc hammer pants are tight at the bottom and then they're but like they all super like low billow crush. out. They yeah, billow out. Yeah, they billow at the top. Yeah, but that's not what. No, they billow out all the way through the whole thing, and then they've got cuffs on the bottom. That's that, what. That, okay, that's, that's like true. joggers. That's true. Yeah, that's true. But no, these aren't joggers. They're they're like tights. They're like yoga pants for men. I swear. I uh, I tried a pair of joggers on when I was l- looking for these pants. They were just tights. They <laughs> these thighs. Like I put them on, and I had to like squeeze into pants that are like generally supposed to be loose-ish mm-hmm. at the top. Nope. I don't do joggers. That's they my, don't make joggers for, for, for this body, this body type. That's my problem looking for jeans is the, the ones that are supposed to be like the athletic fits or something like that, or maybe uh, like ones that taper. They just like squeeze. Yeah. Then I put them on and my legs just look see, ginormous. See, you have a different problem because your legs are actually long. Well, yeah. And then they're super long. So then it's just, then they're like up to here. Yeah. They're like ankle height. Yeah. yeah. My, uh, I have the exact opposite problem. I have stumpy short legs. They're very, very wide. They're very, very short. I have a 32 inch inseam. I am six foot tall 
And in order to fit my ass and thighs into pants, I have to get them in at minimum a 34 and then up to potentially a 36 in dress pants, like how, how comfortable they're going to fit. Jeff wears a 42, 32. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what, uh, where'd you get those? Uh, I had to go to the big and tall store just to put my ass <laughs> in there. <laughs> Lifter legs, man. Lifter legs. For those that have been, have spent more time than most in a weight room, understand the problem of buying pants. So when you find a good pair that you can actually like sit down in without feeling like you're going to blow the crotch out of, you get 10 pairs of those. Okay. Well, this is football and random things. We just, we just spent a solid six minutes talking about clothes. It's four minutes and 45 seconds, actually. Oh, sorry. Sorry. A solid four minutes and 45 seconds talking about clothes. Pants, specifically. More, more specifically, pants. And how it makes you an adult? I, I'm, one might think that, <laughs> no, oh, now Jeff's bought his own pants. Maybe now he'll be more mature. Nope. Now that he's actually now an adult. Now that I'm an adult. No. What's funny is, so we had people, I went, I did a size house trivia on Saturday night, which is probably my favorite event of the year. I mean, uh, it's one, I'm a competitive son of a bitch. And so whenever I'm trying to do anything like, Oh, what do you do for fun? Is there a tangible winner or loser? Then that's what I do for fun. So like any type of game or any type of like cards or dominoes or whatever. And so trivia fits right into that because the random part, random things, part of my brain, like it's just a, it's a fly strip somewhere I mm -hmm. think is in my brain. And that just a fact goes in there and it rattles around enough. It just sticks. And there's no real reason for me remembering those. Uh, but I love trivia and there's free food and drinks. If you're a quote celebrity, which they is, have free food and drinks for everybody. Well, I don't have to pay to get a table. Oh yeah. So they're paying their portion to get the food and drinks and I just get asked to come do it. But anyway, um, when I was there, like people, the, the number one comment that people said was they really enjoyed listening to this podcast. And I was like, and <laughs> one of the people's was like, I just, I love when there's a tangent that goes so far that Jared doesn't even know what to do with it. And I'm like, believe it or not, that's 80% of the time I get to a point and I'm like, I want to see how far I can push you before you go. All right, Jeff, this is ridiculous. We need to stop. I usually could do that in like two seconds more often than not. It's like you could start and I could say, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, we've gone too far. <laughs> this, this is enough. Whatever you're saying right now, I don't care. No, more often than not, you get on your tangents and at first I'm, I'm resistant and then you'll say something that will spark my mind and I'm like, uh, and then I get in on it too. And then that's when I have to stop myself. No, <laughs> no. We have, we have 45 minutes that we want to try and be done in. And now Jeff, we're at a, an hour and a half because you have taken way too much of everyone's time talking about why a Venus flytrap does what it does. Like that doesn't make any sense. It's like, I imagine it being like on my right shoulder is a very good professional version of me. <laughs> maybe having like, maybe wearing a, a shirt and tie, some very nice or like, like, like tailored like a, pants. Like a jacket, maybe not yeah. a tie, it's a little too stuffy, but yeah. like a, a jacket that has like a nice button up underneath it. It's ironed and pressed. Right. And, and then on the other side is you wearing your sweatpants that you uh, just bought this weekend. From at, TJ Maxx. From TJ Maxx. <laughs> uh constantly yelling in my ear the most random just shit random facts yeah <laughs> uh specifically to just try and get me off uh off of my train of thought that's what my life is like that's my entire existence is just do i focus on this or yeah, did you, there's a there's a song on who wrote that song when did that song come out what if that song squirrel 
That song came out in 2006. What else came out in 2000? Oh, shoot, that came out in 2006. I, I remember that song. Oh, what? When I shoot, what was it? I was in calculus class. What's Mr. Khan up to? Hey, like, Jeff. That. Jeff. That's my brain Jeff. all the time. Jeff. Didn't you go to a spring practice last week? I did go to a spring practice last week. And we're eight minutes and 15 seconds into this, and you have not. And it took, it took you that long to mention it. Well, I thought you were going to, like I told you before the episode, I thought we were going to, like, you were going to lead, lead in. Oh, yeah, you, you, you do. Well, I was trying week? to last time, and then all of a sudden you went off on some tangent about Size House of Trivia. That's a great event. It is a, it is a great event. Have we, you done it? Yes, I've been there the last three years. This year we were, uh, I believe that they, they knew that Team Cyclone Fanatic had been getting too close to the top. They had to take us down. Mm. They had to knock us they out. They blacklisted of you? They had to blacklist us because they knew that we were going to end the reign of that team at the, at the top Isn't of the Isn't that uh, the SIDs? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's, I mean, that's literally their job is to know facts. Except none of the facts have anything to do with Iowa State most but, of the No, time. but like, I mean, sports information director is at like at a university. Is obviously you need to know everything about that sport and the history of that. But also... Like knowing when things occurred, it like if you, the person that would be good at being an SID, which Crochelle and, and Beaner, like those guys are really good at, like that person would just lend himself to knowing everything, just knowing facts across the board. Like that personality trait is going to be like engineers, people that are detail oriented and love math. It doesn't mean that every engineer is detail oriented and loves math, like to make them an engineer. Yeah. But the the type of person that will lend itself, like it self-selects for it. And so they literally, a sports information director is a trivia master just by the personality that would lead them to do that. Okay, but beside the point, they, there was a little bit of a miscommunication that led to Team Cycling Fnatic not be, being... Categories in, were good this year. I was uh, at my tables. I had a table that I was at got fifth and a table that I was at got eighth. Then at the a table that I was at also got 87th out of 100. But when I was there with them, we got 8 out of 10. I, I see did, a correlation I, here. And I did long division on a napkin. So. Okay. I'm sure went that to was, a practice last I'm week. I'm sure that was fun. Yeah, you went to a practice last week. Um, I, I was really to be focused now. Let's um, talk about the offense first, and then we'll take a break. Then we can talk about the defense. Let's actually do it the other way, because okay. the defense is going to be a shorter story than the offense. Okay. So the thing that um, I John Haycock is like, I really I liked him at first. The professor. Um, sure, uh, I liked him at first because he he's very like, his personality seemed very calm and just in command, but not over the top. Imagine if John if John Haycock was the professor from And One Mixtape. If that was if he had just. If he had retired from a, from the N one mixtape tour and just become a defensive coordinator, to uh, he would be have to. When would that was it? Early two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that mean, dude's would, still out like on the barnstorming tours, though, just out there breaking everybody's ankles. Wasn't Jason Williams like really the only N one mixtape guy to like translate to, translate to the NBA? I don't think he really was on the N one mixtape tour. He? No, I don't think so. Oh. I mean, he played the yeah the professor and Jason Williams basically were. Very similar players. Do you remember Slam Ball? Yeah. When they padded a rim like that was going to be any, like that wasn't going to hurt anybody. And then they had like supercharged trampolines that everybody would be jumping off of. Now you are distracting everything away from what? 
Well, I, was, I said the professor, and then that get, got me thinking about the professor. And the professor got me thinking about and one mixtape tour. And one mixtape tour got me thinking about early 2000s basketball phenomenon. See? Welcome to my life. And thus, I was on Welcome, ball. welcome to my life. Uh, no, but with the so the defense, the thing I liked John Haycock when he started because he seemed, like I said, his, his demeanor lent itself well to, uh, the, to being a successful defense because, to me, it's – you can be too hype as a defensive coordinator because yeah. most defensive players um, have like, and I don't mean this in like a negative sense, they have a little screw loose where you have to want contact, like love contact to be a really good defensive player because you're running towards someone all the time. In offense, you're running away from people. So you, obviously you can, you can like contact as an offensive player, but ultimately there are, there are times when you want to avoid it and you want to like, and yes, on defense, you want to work angles. You don't want to necessarily have to hit everybody all the time, but like a really good defensive player, if you were to ask like Brian Urlacher, Brian Urlacher loves hitting people. He just does because that, that again, it's a self-selecting trait. And so with the defensive coordinator, the ones that in my mind work really well are the ones that can keep that screw kind of in the right box mm-hmm. that you can, they can be calm and let the defensive guys go and be live and go and be hype and whatever they want. And so his personality lent itself to doing that. And then also being command of what he's doing. And then the more the years have gone on, the thing that I've, I've liked more and more is and I think I've said this expression a bunch of different times is he's a square peg, square hole guy where we have this group of people. What does this group of people do? Well, maybe it's and it's different than what last, the last group did well, which is when they switched from that four, three to a three, four mid season, it was a great move because the personnel or personnel on the team lent itself well to being in that defense. And I'm not going to spoil anything by saying, like, I'm not going to give any specifics, but there's tweaks. There's even more tweaks this year than there was last year. It's going to feel and look different than what they did. And the way that it's being run is brilliant based on the personnel. And I thought, um, on the defense, really, the questions that I had uh, were, you're out and out replacing two corners because uh, DeAndre Payne, he moved back to safety, but he was, for the majority of the season, a primary corner. Um, And then when he moved... Then you had um, Anthony, Johnson. Anthony Johnson and um, shoot it. Daytron. Daytron Young. You had those he two was guys. hurt for most right. of the end of the season. And you had those two guys that were sort of like mixing in. And then you had uh, a couple other people that would mix in like uh, number 22. Um, Arnold Azuna. Yeah, Azuna. You had guys like mix in and they would play, but it wasn't really a starter. It was a guy that was a kind of a by committee. It was PV and then another person. Right. And so you're really in essence replacing two starters. And the questions that I had were that, and then also um, who replaces that Willie Harry position and what's the safeties I thought were going to be fine because you returned all of them except DeAndre Payne. Um, I have uh, not necessarily no questions, but my, my fears on defense are very, very low. I, the personnel that came back, um, they performed as you would expect them to perform. And granted, this was a very small sample size. It was just one day. Um, but the way that the scheme is being run, it's taking personnel uh, and guys that have moved positions a couple places and putting them in a, in a situation where they can be successful. Um, and so like, I, I don't, again, this, we have months before the season, so I don't know how this is going to pan out. And like we talked about a couple weeks ago, um, spring ball is a lot of times a trial. Like, is this going to work? Mm-hmm. We'll see. And I don't know if the, this, this set or this specific set, um, but a guy that stuck out to me on defense, one, I'll just go through at least a few guys that kind of stuck out, is the guys that you would expect to do really well. I think Annie Wazirike is, a, I mean, he's a, he's a player. He's an unreal player. Um, Ray is Ray. There's no questions on that. Um, 
Mike Rose is probably 20 pounds heavier than he was. He is, yeah. He's thick. And um, he is, I think, he's more comfortable in his own skin now being kind of the dude in the linebacking group. Um, I thought Jake Hummel has come a little bit or come a long ways. Um, I met Marcel Spears. He is, he, I kind of, he probably took a step back last year from the year prior. I think he's more solidified in his role now. Cause I think once you have a successful season and then it, I don't think you, that sophomore slump doesn't necessarily come from a, like a complacency. Sometimes it comes from you were so successful that your role kind of switches and you're not ready for it yet. And so I think he is more adapted to that new role of what that's going to be. So I think the linebacking group is really solid. Um, uh, Greg Eisworth, I think is the leader of the secondary. He's kind of the, him and Braxton Lewis to me seemed like just emotionally or, or kind of command of the group. Um, I think in, in questioning the corners between Datron and Anthony, I, those Anthony Johnson might be one of the best corners that Iowa state's had in a very long time. And he's a, he's a retro sophomore, right? He is a true sophomore, true sophomore. So he is a, he, Datron Young's a Richard. Sophomore. There, there we go. So th- between those two guys, I mean, they're, they're solid. Uh, and like I said, Anthony Johnson, I mean, there was a play, um, where it was, I think, I think it was ones on ones where, Purdy threw a really nice back shoulder ball and as a corner a back shoulder ball if it's thrown properly is one of the most impossible uh, throws to defend because your momentum is going completely in one direction and then the receiver puts his body between you and the ball and you have to somehow make a play on that with Mm -hmm. one a very short reaction time and two not getting a pass interference going through the other player and he broke up a back shoulder ball I mean and it was Deshante that was the one making the move and so there's nothing Deshante could have done. It was just Anthony Johnson stopping on a dime, playing behind it, and getting his hand exactly on the ball at the exact time it needed to and broke up a beautiful back shoulder ball. And that, that's a very rare skill set to be able to do. Um, but then the kind of the one off, like uh, not off color, but the guy that you wouldn't expect um, is Will McDonald. Yeah, I've heard he's a freak. He is. And, and I think the thing, I talked to a couple people um, just about him as like personally, um, and they said the kid has come from like nothing. Like his, his background is it's pretty rough. And so this means like football means a lot to him. Yeah. And so when they, when he made a position move, he's like dove in head first that like he's going because it's important to him. He wants to contribute to the team. Um, and I think the, the positions that they have positions or spots on the field that they have put him in and the sets that they're putting him in yeah. lend his lend, lend it to him being successful. It's not, um, when I say square peg, square hole, it's not, all right, you're going to go be Mike Rose as an interior linebacker. He's not, he doesn't know what he's doing enough to do that. He's not played that position before. That would be setting him up for failure. It's a, he's playing quote linebacker, but it, the way that the responsibilities that his position has been given is it's really, it's like the Will McDonald position. And so where he's playing and, and may, like I said, specific sets and specific fronts and specific personnel, but I thought he was really sharp. That's the Sam linebacker spot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought he was really sharp. He's stupid athletic. Yeah. Stupid athletic. And uh, so I thought that defensively, the guys that you would expect to be good, like any and Ray. How do you think but, he'll do covering defending the pass? Um, I, it kind of depends on what they have him do. And so when he was in, he, I, again, it's spring ball. So you can, you can set up. I, I don't know how much live play calling versus live play calling they do or if they script it. Um, so I don't, that was hard for me to tell. And a lot of times, admittedly, I was watching the offensive players and not the defensive ones. So I guess I didn't notice if there was a big discrepancy that was going on. 
The only thing that I would say would probably be a, would be a problem for a person that is new at a position like he's playing is eye discipline, where if there's some type of sexy action in the backfield, whether it's play action or there's a lot of motion or there's somebody that's doing, um, you know, somebody's crossing somebody behind or they run somebody out and where your eyes go, because in the Big 12 specifically, because of how good the offenses are, if you're a, a quarter step late or a half step late, that means you're three feet, the, the receiver's three feet more open and that quarterback more often than not is going to put it in that three feet of space that you just gave. Mm-hmm. And so your eye discipline has to be really sharp to know that you're going to be in a good position to not get yourself behind a receiver. So I would say that's probably the thing that he is going to struggle with the most if there would be something in the past. Because, again, the dude's a freak. And Luckily, he, though, too, that's exactly what they practice against every day. Right. Because Iowa State does that. Moving people Crazy around funky as, much, yeah, as yeah. much as anybody. So I think, yeah, his, his, where his position that where he is playing – um, I think with the response, like I said, the responsibilities they're giving him, the sets they're putting him in, um, I'm really excited to see what he can do this year because it seems to me like they are taking his skills and making the best use of them and mitigating his weaknesses as much as they can. I thought, I thought the defense did very, very well. And there were a couple stupid mistakes. I mean, you're dealing still with college kids. Like, there was one... Um, it was a, a, it was a, it's thud. So nobody, it wasn't full tackle, but like there was one where it was like a third and one or something like that, or a fourth and one. And somebody jumped off sides. Like there's still, there's dumb stuff that happens, but also it was very, I said it was, it was very sharp. Um, and I, I just, the tenor of how it was and to come back to Haycock for kind of one last little closing thing in the defense. I just love the way that he carries himself as a coach on the field because kind of that calm, um, I don't want to say soothing, but a teacher mentality. You talk about the professor, like that teacher mentality of... He is the professor. Of I'm going to, you know, instead of shouting at somebody, he's like, hey, where are you supposed to be? It's, he's going to be like, come on, you can do better than that. And then he'll bring him over and he'll, at a conversational level, ask him, okay, what did you see? What did you want? And this is what I'm looking for. This is where you should be. And that always, that was why I loved Coach Pope as much as I did is because he would get all riled up, but he would never really get all that riled up with me because he responded... He understood. Because you never made mistakes? Not that I never made mistakes, but yelling at me, I'm like, dude, what? Chill out. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to make it again. Like, I understand that. Yeah. And so my, when someone were, would shout at me, it's not that I would get like, oh man. <laughs> but in my head, I'd be like, F off, dude. I'm, I understand the mistake that I made. You don't have to shout at me. Yeah. So um, that I thought that the way that he carries himself is, I see the defense as, again, the strong suit of this team, not because the offense is poor, but I think the personnel they have back and the way that they're using this group, uh, I think is, it's just, I'm very encouraged by what I saw on defense. Well, after everything that you've said, it leads me to really only one belief. Iowa State has the second coming of the 1985 Bears. <laughs> <laughs> they're, gonna, they're actually going to beat the Packers. They got, they got scheduled. <laughs> Oh, man. But, I mean, you joke, but it's also the, – the bar is pretty low. I mean, yeah. when you look at the Big 12, yeah. not that defenses are bad because I think defenses in the Big 12 have gotten a lot better than they have been in, the, in years past, especially with, like, Todd Orlando's Texas teams and John Haycock's Iowa State teams. And I think Baylor's defense is getting a lot better. Um, but still, in general, the Big 12 defenses aren't that good. And so you can make yourself a, quote, defensive powerhouse or a defensive team by being an above average to really good defense. You don't have to be Alabama to be a good defense in the Big 12, to have success in our league. So I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm very, I have much less questions 
I didn't have many questions going in about the defense, but the ones that I did have about corners um, and then what they're going to do with personnel, I thought those were answered pretty comfortably um, by at least that one practice that I saw and kind of talking to people about it. Okay. You ready to take a quick break? Sure. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the offense here on Football and Random Things in the Carl Chevrolet studios on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Hey guys, it's Chris interrupting this podcast because, you know, everybody wants to know that I get it asked all the time. How can we help Cyclone Fanatic? Well, you help Cyclone Fanatic by you support our advertisers and everybody needs to be aware of eye care. I wasn't for a long time and I went to Ames Eye Care and they really helped me out. It's changed my life. I don't have headaches the way that I did. You've heard me talk about this. They're also in Des Moines at Des Moines Eye Care. And you need to think about this with your family. Get the kids checked out. Encourage the wife. Anything. Personalized eye care. Designer eyewear. I've got these sweet Maui gym glasses that I use at work all the time. People think they look awesome. They meet your whole family's vision needs at Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Check them out today and support Cyclone Fanatic. Hey guys, it's Jared here with another message from Mechdyne. Are you looking to jumpstart your IT career? Or maybe you're a student looking to earn some extra cash? Well, listen up. Mechdyne is currently looking to hire both full-time and part-time IT help desk agents to respond to and help troubleshoot client IT technical issues. You can get your foot in the door at an awesome company with a super fun culture that I've seen firsthand with my own eyes. So go visit the career page at mechdyne.com. That's M-E-C-H-D-Y-N-E.com. Check them out today. Lawn care with unmatched service. Landscapes custom designed. Sprinkler systems installed and serviced. Thanks, Central Iowa, for 30-plus years of your support. A-plus lawn and landscape. Welcome back to Football and Random Things in the Carl Chevrolet studios. Hey, guys, Carl Chevrolet's truck month has been extended here into the month of April. Current Chevy truck owners can upgrade to a new 2018 Chevy Silverado 1500 LT with all-star package up to 25% off when financed with GM Financial. Or you can get the 2018 Silverado LTZ up to 20% off when financed with GM Financial. They will also have up to 23% off new Chevy, all new Chevy models or mini models that qualify for 0% for 72 months plus bonus cash for qualified buyers. You can check, you can get more information about that at carlchevrolet.com or you can visit them at Carl Chevrolet in Ankeny, exit 90 at The Rock. It's the or labor exit for those that don't know exit numbers. It is. I, exit uh, 90. I have a, I have a Chevy truck from Carl Chevrolet. You do. And I have every single time I go into Ankeny Hardware, the guy that's behind the desk, which I, I, I forget his name. He's, I think it's maybe Jim. I don't know, but super nice. And he always comes Hopefully in. Hopefully Jim doesn't listen. He always goes. Hopefully maybe Jim doesn't listen. Maybe Jim. Um, but he goes, uh, he always, every time I walk in, cause I have to, I mean, I, I'm not going to go all the way down to, to Menard's. It for like, like, all right, shoot, I need, uh, I need four washers for something. And I'll walk in there until I go there like twice a week just because I forget stuff. You must have to wash a lot of things. Washers. <laughs> Washers. And anyway, so he comes in and he's like, I'll give you 10,000 bucks and my Chevy Impala for your truck. I'm like, no dice, man. No dice. This is always mine. And then every time he'll, I'll walk in and he'll kind of like show his hands to me and like do like that half, like cocked half smile. And I was like, still no, man. Still no. Truck's mine. So check out Carl Chevrolet's trucks. I enjoy mine. 
Apparently Jim from maybe Jim. Maybe Jim. From Ankeny Hardware. He also enjoys the Chevy trucks. Yeah. I think he said he was going to be getting one in the next month because he was looking for a new vehicle in the first place. So well, what are you what are you going to do when you guys don't have your little rapport anymore? Oh, we'll have I, we can then talk about him enjoying his vehicle because then I enjoy my Carl Chevrolet truck and he can enjoy his hopefully Carl Chevrolet truck. And we can be like, oh, did you figure out this feature? Did you know that you can do this? The my, like I said, it has variable valve shutoff. I can get 25 miles per gallon in my Chevy Colorado. It's awesome. Anyway, there we go. Truck month extended at Carl Chevrolet. Let's talk about the offense. So the, the prevailing theme to me is that Deshante Jones is a freak. That, that, that's the, he was the best player on offense to me. So um, I'm excited to see what they can do with him. And then Tariq is also, uh, he has X factor to him. So th- those two that we knew were going to be really good were really good. Again, this is a, it's a small sample size of just the one practice that I got to see, but I'm sure that you covering it, you've gotten the same report. Is yeah. it Tariq and Deshante are like head and shoulders above everybody else as far as playmakers are concerned uh, in the skill group. That would be kind of expected though, wouldn't it? Right. And it should, I mean, they're the best. I mean, Deshante is a four-year starter. Mm-hmm. He should be the best player. Not necessarily should be, but he has the... If you were to pick somebody to be the best player, it would be number eight. And he hasn't, he didn't disappoint to me. He was the, his routes were sharp. They are at depth. Um, The little things that you pick up by just being, uh, playing a lot of football, like when you talk about that back shoulder thing, which is why it was so impressive when Anthony Johnson broke it up, is where you position your body and where you throw your hands. It's not something you can like actively coach and be like, all right, do this now. It's like, okay, you're going to feel that it's easier to accomplish this task if you just shift your weight a little bit over to this side. And so the little things that you'll figure out over time in reps, he has figured out over time in reps. And so the way he positions his body and the way he like moves his shoulders or gives a little bit of a head nod on certain portions of the route, he's just very clean. It's very clean. It's very sharp. Um, And then in the, they did a, I don't know if it was, again, I don't know if it was a, a live call versus a live call situation, but Tariq broke one for 50. I think. And I told you he could take the top off the defense. It, I told you. It wasn't a throw it down. It was a, he's going to throw him like a 12-yard route, and then he's just going to make somebody miss and go. Um, still works. Still works. But he's, those two, as far as receivers are concerned, um, had the best. Who was the third receiver with them? Uh, uh, Shaw, I think. Okay. 80, 81 and 9 were the two. Joseph Skates is number 9. So those were the two, I think, that were playing there. The, the other one that impressed me was um, Josh Johnson. That I, I just think he, I think he's very solid. And um, what I've heard from talking to people is that a lot of times the he starts to think too much. And so hopefully by this is his second season that he would be eligible to play. Right. He's mm-hmm. a sophomore or sophomore of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, redshirt or true redshirt. But he's this would be a second season of some kind. So he's been under bright lights because that's again, it's not saying that a guy like will fold, but just some, sometimes personality traits will, uh, when you start processing too much information, we already talked about your eye discipline on defense, where if you're one half of a step slow, that's three feet of space. Well, if you start thinking too much and you're a half a second slow, it's the same thing. And so uh, from what I've heard, he's up in, he will think too much a lot of times. And so if he can just turn that, that paralysis by analysis off, then I think I would honestly expect of all the receivers if he can get his head right the most, he has the, mo- the, the potential to be the most consistent player. Um, I think, like I said, 81 and 9, Skates and Shaw, those guys probably have the, uh, the quote, higher upside. Mm-hmm. They have more talent. 
Um, but I, I just like the, the, the way that 13 carried himself, which is Johnson, the way he carried himself, it, it said to me, he is much more, he has a much higher consistency, like much higher consistency ceiling to reach. Yeah. That's from the wide receivers. So I think if I remember correctly, it was eight, 13, and then 81 and nine move, rotated in. And then 13 was on the other side. So those were your guys that were mostly playing, um, the tree changes number though. He's number one, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Um, but those guys were the ones that were playing the most as wide receivers group. Um, I thought the I, I thought Chase Allen looked really, really good too. And I mean, uh Kolar is a really good player, but I thought Chase was I he, I think of all the three of them, from what my, my preconceived notion going in was kind of confirmed, is that your best true receiving tight end is Kolar. Your best true blocking tight end is Saner. Your best all-around tight end is Allen. And I think that was confirmed there. Um, Do you think I, all three of those guys could play in the NFL? Um, I think Kolar has to put on some beef a little bit. He's also only like 19. Yeah. yeah. He's got to put on some weight. Um, and I think Saner would have to – he would have to get faster. Like he would have to be either more explosive or become like – so in the in – the, in the Super Bowl, the Patriots ran at Rob Gronkowski. I think he only caught one pass, maybe, maybe two. But he was one of the best players in the field because he exists on the field as another tackle because he's that good at blocking. And so if Saner can establish himself as a person like that, that he is an additional tackle that you could also throw passes to, um, then that's, how, what, that's what he could be as an NFL player because the dude is a freaking mountain of a human. So that, that would be his thing. I don't think he's going to ever be, he's never going to be Chase or Kolar, or he's never going to be Jimmy Graham. It's, it's not his, he, he's not Benjamin Watson. He That's is, not his game. He is Rob Gronkowski 2.0. Well, let's not go that far. Let's not go that far. But the goal should be, his, his ceiling would be as a dominant downhand or off tight end blocker. He's not going to be, he's really not going to be ever be like a George Kittle. He, George Kittle's really good because he's a good stand up tight end who mm-hmm. can body around people. So I, I think that's more like Chase has the potential. Chase and Kolar both have a potential to do something like that, to be like a Kittle where you can block but also run. So you're saying yes to my question? Potentially. I think Saner would have the hardest route to get there because of the, the evolution to making a more versatile tight end that's a pass catcher. Yeah. Uh, but I think potentially, yes, I see Allen and Kohler having a higher likelihood to do that. Um, but the tight ends, I thought were really, sh- I thought they were really sharp. Um, there are a couple guys that sat, I'm not going to say who they were. Cause like that's nobody's business. A couple guys that sat that were, some were just like, we don't need to hurt him. Some were, they're dealing with some other something like that, that didn't play. So some of this is also taken with a little bit of a grain of salt. One of them, not one of them. One of them wasn't QB one. Was it? Uh, I know he QB one played. He, okay. Cool. He, he played. We got, I got to see him play. Um, and I thought the running backs, the, the running backs, I wanted to watch them because when you take the emotion, because a two-year returning starter or two-year returning captain, when that guy leaves, there is a Darth of leadership in there. No matter. A Darth? Darth. Absence of. A drastic absence of. That's a word. Something just really clicked for me because, man. Darth Vader? Yeah. And Vader means father. Absence of whoa, whoa! You just blew my mind, bro. Okay, keep talking, keep talking, dude. Yeah, you just blew my mind. About blew my mind like the Death Star. 
Ooh, damn, bro. Damn. Anyway, um, so the running backs group. Why am I the one that's pulling us back on track today? This is weird. Because you're the one that has something to add to the conversation yeah, today. Yeah, I actually did something. Um, but no, the, uh, so the running backs group, I wanted to see, because um, we knew it was going to be sort of by committee, mm-hmm. just because David did everything so well that now it, if, he was a, if David was an A-plus blocker, an A-plus runner, an A-pass catcher, and an A-type you know, uh, uh, play-action guy, like if that was his grades, and then Sheldon is an A-runner or an A-plus blocker, an A-runner, a B-minus pass catcher, or whatever, well, maybe Johnny Lang is an A-plus pass catcher but an, a B-minus blocker. And so you have to take everybody's A-pluses and just move them in together to make up one David Montgomery. So I think that they were, we knew that that was going to happen. I was just very curious to see um, who became like the, who is the emotional guy or mm-hmm. not necessarily the emotional, the mental, the leader of the group. And so Sheldon pretty clearly was the leader of that group is, and he was one of the big, the better leaders on offense was she, at least to me, cause he was talking with the offensive line because they were working in, I think they were trying a couple different combinations because one of the offensive linemen in one of the positions was one of the people that was just sitting out. And so there was a couple guys that are kind of shifting around to just play different positions just to test it out. And so he was talking with the guys that were playing out of position about, this is what I see. This is what I'm looking for. When you do this, this is what I want. And so he was talking to the, like going out of his position group to talk to the linemen about what he's seeing and what they're seeing. And like, he was the one that was kind of uh, mentally, like I said, mentally, emotionally more figuring out how the offense is going to work and push them a little bit. Um, so I thought he was really, I thought Sheldon, if, if you, if the season were to start today, I think Sheldon Crony's probably your starting running back. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I, that's my guess. I think from um, what I was told, it'd probably be Kinney. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought, honestly, I thought it, from the one that I was watching, I thought Kinney was the most disappointing of the ones that I was expecting. I thought Johnny and, and Sheldon were the two that maybe it was just a bad practice. But I thought, uh, I thought Johnny and Sheldon were the two guys that stuck out to me that do different things very well. Like Johnny has that, um, the guy that kind of has the, the easiest correlation to is like when Kyler Murray goes from a standing position to a full sprint, it's uh-huh. like half a foot. And you're like, God, how is he sprinting already? Right. That Johnny has that kind of goes from one direction at like maybe a trot or a pace or building up or trying to control his speed to just being like going. And he has that just that change direction and that acceleration. Uh, and then Sheldon is, like I said, the leader, he's the most confident with the offense. He's the most physical, he's thick. So I, those two are the ones that were, that were the best to me. Thick um, with two C's. Nope. I, I think that's a, the wrong connotation of that word to, to say about. Thick with two C's. A dude. But thick. I thought Kane was, he was hesitant. He was, he was tentative when he got, when that dude gets in, in any kind of open space, like Godspeed soldier, good luck. But when it's cluster, when it's tight. And I, I don't know if it goes back to when he popped his Achilles back a while ago, if he has this, if he has enough like comfort and confidence yet to like fully unleash how fast he is. Cause a lot of times he would get into a crowd and he would, he would pitter pat rather than just going like, all right, cut like that kind of thing where really when you watch high level running backs, like the ones that come to mind, like a Leonard Fournette, like that's one of the things that he's the best at is when, when shit starts to happen and there's not a clear way out, 
play's probably dead. Mm-hmm. Like you need three. You, if you get three yards out of zero yards, then you're second and seven, and that's a good play. But if you can get negative one yards out of zero because you're pussyfooting around, then you're really you're making the offense in a much deeper hole than what you expected. Right. So the one thing that a lot of times I appreciate, and that's why I said like Johnny and Sheldon did this, and David did this all the time. That was one of the things he was best at. Like, yeah, David's a good example. Is when you're you, there's a pile of people. And then you're like, right, well, that's kind of a nothing play. And then you look up and you're like, it's second and five? How did that, how, how was that five yards? Yeah. That. And so wh- how that happens is when there's nothing great that you see, but you just go, all right, well, I'm going to find the weakest spot in this wall of humans and drive as hard as I can because I don't think it's going to be there. Maybe you pop out on the other side, but most of the time you're just going to bury yourself forward. And I didn't see Kane do that. And like I said, I don't know if that was a lack of confidence and maybe just, it was, Whatever, but I thought the two that did that were Johnny and Sheldon, and I thought Kane needs to do a little more of that. Yeah. But again, when Kane, that dude is so stupid fast, so fast that whenever he does get any type of open space, there's no one on the field that's going to run him down, and he blows pursuit angles to pieces. So it's I think it was really interesting to watch that, um, and I think it's going to be pretty by committee. So even if there is a starter, what about the young buck? Um. It was uh, 29. Is that his number? 28. Um, 28. 28. Um, Remember we had oh, the yeah, controversy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought he did well, um, but he's still – it's still fast for yeah, him. Like yeah. the, the game is still moving pretty quickly because that's – I mean, that was what, practice 11 I think was the one that I went to. So it's, it's still very fast in his mind. And so he wasn't responding as quickly as he should have. Maybe by the time summer rolls around because the kid's built pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – and I don't mean this in a negative sense. Like because by, probably by the time – give him a full – weightlifting another full weightlifting cycle everything would fill out a little bit more but he still kind of had some high school baby fat that it just he didn't look like um, a man yet you know what I mean like this I'm trying to describe this without saying he looks off because he didn't but when you look at a running back you're like okay that dude's gonna rip a shoulder pad in half if he just takes it and like like you know, ripping a piece of paper. He didn't like quite look like that. He's an athlete. He's strong. He's quick. He's athletic. He just was a little tentative and a little softer because he's 17, 18 years old playing with 22, 23 year olds that have been there for five years. Mm -hmm. So I think he, he has very good raw skills, but I think, like I said, I think that he's processing still it's the game is still very fast. He's not comfortable making cuts pretty quickly. And he's in a position like when I started that you've got at least three dudes ahead of you that are relatively established, good players that are going to rotate. And so they eat reps from you just naturally because Sheldon's going to take is going to rotate reps with maybe Johnny with the ones. And then Johnny's going to rotate with Kane at the twos. And then with the threes, then Kane's going to rotate with somebody else. And all of a sudden you're pumped down to the, the, the third and a half line. So it's just gonna be really hard for him. I think with this group to get reps uh, until he kind of, like I said, speeds up his thinking and it makes it just more reacting and kind of just solidifies that he has a, like it's a relatively sizable frame. You can tell he's an athlete. Once that fills out, which is not, it's going to take a couple months with that strength staff. Um, so I, I think he is going to be good. I don't know how much based on that. I, I actually can make a fair assessment because it's just so fast for him right now. Uh, how did Brock look throwing the ball? So here is my – honestly, I think I was so – Sage was at the practice. And so I talked with Sage a little – probably for a fair amount at the actual thing itself. And I was talking to him. And my honestly, my biggest question about – I have two decent-sized questions about this offense. And they're still kind of there is, is the offensive line, we talked about this, is the offensive line going to go from slightly below average to average to good? 
They don't have to be dominant. They don't have to be, you know, the Robert Gallery, Iowa Hawkeye offensive line. It doesn't have to do that. Is it going to be good? And they just have to be good enough to let the tight ends get involved. Let Deshante and Tariq go do work. Let the three running backs, let Kane get in open space. Like, get, can they be good? And like I said, there is that offensive line. I can't really answer that question because, like you said, it was, people were playing out of position. There were guys, guy or guys that weren't in there just because it's spring ball. If there's, if you're even at 90% instead of 100%, it just doesn't make sense to risk injuring someone in April. So a, a lot of times I didn't get a fair picture of the offensive line. Um, and then the other question, honestly, is Brock Purdy. That when in his second year, because where most of the successful plays, the ones that come to mind, there are a couple that are on rhythm throws, like the one to West to, to Deshante in the West Virginia game where it's an on rhythm seam ball that he just piped through like three defenders. That was a... But a lot of it was huck it up to 18. Like those were the big plays. And even in those, the one that comes to mind is like the Oklahoma State one where he did that little toe drag. That was a broken play. And that broken play was just, all right, well, my guys are doing a scramble drill. I'm going to end up putting it in. We know that he can do that. But now you don't have 32 as a security blanket. You don't have 18 as a security blanket. You've got to go, go through your progressions to give it to guys quickly to get them making plays. And so he has to he has to mature a good bit from last year because we he got away with it because you have such freaks around you that you can when in doubt check it down to thirty two and he's going to get eleven and it's mm-hmm. or even if it's not eleven he's going to get seven for you and all of a sudden you're second and seven or second three excuse me and you have a really good play coming up where if you're now padding the ball around and you're waiting for it to, waiting for someone to come open waiting for someone to come open waiting for someone to come open and then scramble. Well, maybe there isn't 18, a number 18 to throw to. You got good players, but it's not going to be like being on rhythm with these more inside wide receivers. You can't scramble drill to a a, a whip route. You can't scramble drill to a guy that's in a a pile of people. Mm -hmm. So his, what he has to step forward in doing is going through progressions better, delivering balls on time. He's accurate. He's a strong arm. He's a confident kid, but going through his reads and getting rid of the ball and waiting throwing a guy open rather than waiting for him to get open and just doing things that a good quarterback is going to do. How much of that do you think could be him being, one, a true freshman last year, two, not having spring ball, and three, ha- just having guys like that to where it's like you, there's not that much pressure put on you in that situation where it's like, man, at least I got 32 and 18. Right. But now you do have the spring, like you've got some time. And you played all those that time before. Yeah. To where you've got confidence. You know that you can play at this level. And it's like, now I get my spring to refine some things as, as much as I do to get better, like, I think, physically. Right. And so, I think, like I said, that was my biggest question. So, it was, he did a better job of that, but he still pats a little bit. He's mm-hmm. still a little bit, not necessarily hesitant, but he waits a little bit too long to get rid of the ball. Um, and I think the other thing that, again, in the question for this offense going forward is... Now that, the, again, so another, this is a lot more with offensive players because the defense, the, the defense as a, works more as a unit where the offense, you can, you can kind of single guys out more, right. where, especially with quarterbacks, where what is he not like? What makes him uncomfortable? And the quintessential example of this is when Haycock and Campbell beat the bejesus out of uh, Pat Mahomes, Texas Tech team. Clearly, Pat Mahomes is a terrific quarterback, and he solved the problems that they that they found. But the thing that they had, the thing that made him uncomfortable, was rolling to his left and and throwing into zone coverage. 
Okay, so he now has to throw away from his throwing, run away from his throwing shoulder and set up and be comfortable doing it. He wasn't. And so their entire defense, they pushed him to end that thing. Well, now Brock Purdy has almost a full season. I mean, it's at three quarters of a season that he has on film that coaches now have eight months to look what makes this dude uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. What does he do that he, that is not okay? What every quarterback can do to help that is get rid of the ball on time to the right guy in the right coverage. If you can read and release like that, there's no defense. That's one thing that, that Herman would always say is nothing beats timing and ball placement. If you can put the ball in the right spot to the right guy in the right time, then there's, you literally can't cover it. So if he can get from the position where he's got, everybody does it, everybody has it. I mean, Tom Brady has, it. Just, it's very, they're just very small holes in his game is you have to find the holes in his, find the holes in your game, identify them, be very real with yourself and close those things up. And I would say that his biggest hole is in bouncing his feet and padding, like waiting for someone to come open and then trying to throw him perfect. So I, he did a better job of being more decisive, being more deliberate. But to me, that's the biggest question going forward is, is he going to be able to be a read first quarterback that has legs to scramble when something falls apart rather than a quarterback that likes to throw first on the run? Yeah. Because... Pay, or, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is that quarterback that can throw on the run. Baker Mayfield is a quarterback that can throw on the run, but they make their money in the pocket. That, that's where they do their damage because timing a ball placement being any coverage. So I thought that he did a good job and he's doing a progressing job, but that's the thing he's just got to continue to work on. And, and Sage was saying the same thing is just being comfortable in the pocket, going through your reads. And he goes, um, he kind of made this joking comment uh, to me with, um, uh, about Purdy's, he goes, Cat's athletic, but number eight's way more athletic. Let him run with it, not you. Mm-hmm. And so if you can get it to him, get the ball out quickly to a guy, maybe six yard pass becomes, like I said, that one that Tariq took for, to the house, it was like a drag route that yes, it was like a, a three, three or a five step drop, but it, I think it was like maybe a 14 yard throw, but he just got it to Tariq and Tariq did the rest. Yeah. So I think it's understanding that you've got playmakers around you to get rid of the ball on time, on rhythm, to the place where you want it to be. That's the biggest question that I have for this offense going forward. And you can tell that that's a thing he's working on. It's just, can he work on it even more? I love how Iowa State exposed Patrick Mahomes' weakness. And now he went and worked on it so much that now he just rolls out to the left side and throws the ball without even looking at receivers. Right. He's just like, uh, he... The fact that Matt Campbell and John Haycock didn't get a, a thank you in his MVP right? speech right? is a little bit egregious. They now found that a, I think about it. They found a weakness. They found they, they tugged on Superman's cape, and then they're probably the reason that he fell from one to ten. Ended up with the Chiefs in the NFL. You're welcome, Pat Mahomes. On behalf of Iowa State, you're welcome. I mean, and and really, after hearing all of this stuff that you said. The Big 12's in trouble knowing that Iowa State has the 85 Bears on defense <laughs> and the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs on offense. Like, that's all I'm hearing. Let's not drive the hype train that far. Well, Brock Purdy for Heisman. Uh, Mike Rose is going to win the Butt Kiss Award. Uh, who else? Any. Deshante Jones wins the Blitnikoff. Any wins the Lombardi. Anthony Johnson. Anthony Johnson went to Thorpe as a true, as a true sophomore. Yeah, it's going to happen. All those things are going to happen. And Connor Asali wins the Groza. Okay. That's not. I... But I do, from what it, what it sounds like, the offense will probably be more predicated on 
like those shorter timing routes than what they were the last couple of years. I mean, obviously you don't have a guy on a team that can just, you know, that average 20 plus yards per catch. Right. When in, when in doubt, he's six, six getting full or getting one-on-one coverage. Yeah. Like the, it'll be more about getting those guys like you talked about where you get perfect timing. You get Tariq on a 14 yard in dig route or something like that. And then you hit him and he takes it slips a tackle and takes it for a touchdown. Yeah. Not throwing the ball 60 yards down the field. And I think, so your big plays like are probably not going to come like the Butler or even Matt Eaton was okay at coming back to the ball and making these big 35-yard receptions where he just not necessarily moss somebody, but just position and get a rebound. So in some ways, wouldn't this be the offense that as the Big 12 tries to copycat Iowa State's defense, wouldn't this be the offense that would be the death by a thousand paper cuts? Yes. Uh, throw it underneath and let your really good quick receivers just beat people. And your tight ends get bodied on one-on-ones. Yeah. So they're, I think the way that this offense will likely move to, and this this kind of comes, there is somebody that needs to step up as an outside wide receiver, whether it's 13, 9, or 81. One of those three guys has to be a guy that can be a, a stretch threat, something that is a stretch threat on the outside. And if they can do that, then that's going to keep everybody at least marginally back. It's not going to keep them focused so deeply towards the middle. Because if they can, if defenses can, can get away with putting a corner one-on-one with the outside guys and being like, all right, if you want to throw it to them, fine, go for it. You're not going to make it, you're not going to complete it anyway. We're going to focus all of our attention and just shit pile the box and just deal. You're going to have to deal with so much traffic inside because you want to throw to your two slot receivers and your tight ends. We're going to pack everything tight and, ma- and make you deal with it. Mm-hmm. So there has to be somebody that is competent enough. Again, 81, 9, and 13 have to be competent enough to keep everything spread out. And then inside of that, I think 8 and 1, which Deshante and Tariq, they're going to have really good opportunities to set them set the rest of the offense up, especially with a guy like Chase. Like maybe maybe Chase or Kolar become that number one wide receiver like we talked about before that keeps everybody out. And then, you know, 13's on the other side. And you've got two tight ends in there. So you've got, you have to move a safety out to cover Chase because you can't put a corner on him because they're just going to, he's going to body him up. Right. And then you have, you have to put a corner or a nickel on your slot receivers. Right. You have to keep a corner out on the, this other wide receiver, say it's a four wide set. And now you have, Charlie Kolar, that's a, or Chase Allen, that's attached, and Kolar's outside, maybe. And then you have Chase Allen, who's now one on one with the linebacker because there's nobody else. That's a win for Iowa State. And so you can use these chess pieces to open everything up. But I think, the, like I said, the, the things that have to happen for this are offensive line has to be good, like above average. The, there has to be some wide receiver that steps up. I think the guys that are going to do that, like I said, are 9, 13, and 81. Yeah, so, I mean, 9. I, I've heard that nine has the ability to do it. It's yeah, just, it's just getting, it's, it, between yeah, the ears. Between the ears stuff. And um, then <clears throat> they have to be good. And then Brock has to be comfortable getting rid of the ball on time, on placement to where he needs to go. If those things can happen, which I, it seems like that is the focus of what they were doing. Yeah. They identified that this is what we're trying to work for. We know we have these holes. If they can do that, then this offense is going to be really good, really fun. Because think of like Washington State. And that it's not, you're not going to, we're not going to throw it 60 times a game. Don't absolutely don't get me wrong. But when you're watching that game, it it feels a little bit like an LSU type, Uh just the not head, but a brick wall type LSU. But this defense is going to be really good, I think. And so if you get to, if you hold them at 
12 or 20 it's 12 or 17 points and Man, it's the if, fourth. They, if they hold them to 12 points then they'll be like a historic defense in the modern I know, era but of college it, football. i'm just saying in and not to not in a game but i mean oh, okay. it's it's the end of the third quarter you've got 13 points yeah and iowa state has put together 21 or 24 well this defense has now forced you to do something that you don't want to do and so the defense is going to be so good the offense just has to be a ball control suck it out of you style offense which again think washington state Seven yards to Deshante Jones, 13 yards to, you know, Chase Allen, four yard run, three yard run, pass to Sean Shaw, something like that, where you have, it's not going to be these big chunk plays that you're going to get in foot races with Oklahoma State. You might be, you might, you, at some point you're going to have to, but I think the offense is going to be much more comfortable with being a average 5.7 yards per play type offense and just progress your way down the field and possessions are going to be four and a half, five, five and a half minutes long that just start to, to remove possessions from the game. I think that's more of where this offense is going to be comfortable. And I think if they can do that, then the big 12 is going to have to, again, readapt to Iowa state because they're becoming sort of becoming a trendsetter Mm -hmm. of they're taking what was at the time, lesser talent and winning games. And now they have equal talent and they're going to continue winning games. So now you go, okay, well, these dudes are coaching their asses off with scheme how do we steal what they do and make it happen again? So, okay, here's my last question for you. You fit your career finished in 14, right? What? What year did your career end? 14? Uh, 13, 13, 13 season. Okay, so it's been five plus years. Mm-hmm. Compare and contrast to Iowa State football, just watching it practice from so much better. It's so much better. And, and I think it's hard to say from a talent level. I know you don't want to crap on the people that you played for. Right. But, but when you compare talent level, I'm, ob- I'm a little biased. Like actually, but so taking away, like, I think I'm better than, because I think everybody thinks they're not necessarily better than they are, but like they think they see their own full potential. We in all, someone else. Jeff, we already all know that you're faster than Kane. Like you don't need to sit <laughs> here and brag to us. Okay. Yeah, it's totally true. Um, but I, I had actually talked to, uh, it was Nate Potsma. He's one of the athletic trainers. And I was saying, like, I would have loved to play for this coaching staff because when, again, square peg, square hole is my skill set was not pure running back. It wasn't, I'm never, I was never going to be a 25 carry a game guy. I just don't have that kind of explosiveness. I don't have that kind of, you know, speed, agility, whatever. But I was a good pass catcher. I was a, a good offhand blocker. I was smart and I could be a, a you know, a short yardage or even like a possession or a two at a time run the ball. And so they'll take guys like that and put them in situations like Dylan Saner is the guy that comes to mind. Dylan Saner cannot do what Charlie Kolar can do. He can't, he's not good. He's not as athletic. He's not whatever, but he can be a downhand tight end. He can be an off tight end. He can be a guy that's attached. He can be, you know, he can do all of these things and they're taking his skill set and putting it where it needs to. And so I think that type of attitude in part is why you can start getting these really successful, like these really high, higher level recruits than what they've gotten. One, I think just the culture of the university. I honest to goodness, again, trying to take my Cardinal color glasses as much as off as much as I can. Iowa State is not hard to sell. Come to a game, tour campus. Ames is not hard to sell. I've gone to other universities. It's a beautiful campus. The stadium's always full and the facilities are really damn good. So if you got a kid- And they're to, about to get better. And they're about to get better. If you can get a kid to campus, Iowa State itself is not hard to sell. Iowa State's history is, but you say, like, do you want to be part of history? Do you want to be part of the future? Like, that kind of thing. Like, it's, you can get rid of that pretty quickly. And the, the way that they, the culture, the culture of the staff to make a, to make a guy like me 
know that you're not going to have to try and beat out seven true running backs to play running back is we're going to find a place for you on the field. And so they do that. Guys like Will McDonald, guys like um, they moved to three safeties because they had three safeties. Like that defense changed for their personnel. Mm -hmm. So the way that they do it is really good. They play music at practice for a couple of different reasons. One is just because it's fun. It may, I mean, guys are dancing around. Like I'm dancing on the sidelines myself. Like, Did they play Old Town Road? No, they didn't. They played Waterfalls by TLC though. That I was, I was singing. Yeah. That's probably the only white person singing that song. But, um, anyway, they, but they played that one for like, just to have fun. And two is to get guys to focus with something that's distracting. Mm -hmm. And that when there's, when there are playing TLC's waterfalls and you want to sing in your head, but you're on the field, like what's more important? Like, I'm going to give you a distraction so you can focus. So the, the environment of when they, they kicked it on when they were doing things that involved learning. And so they were trying to, in periods, like I said, in individual periods, they're playing distracting things. They're making a distraction so that you can actually focus on what I'm saying as a coach so you can be, you can be better. It's not letting it just ambiently go across, like through one, in one ear and out the other. I'm imagining now where they're in some sort of scrimmage period and, uh, and like a flash mob breaks out to uh, waterfalls by TLC. Uh, anyway, so I thought that was really good. And then I think the other thing that I saw that I really, really liked, and this is again, personal preference. And I think, but I also think that this is extrapolating out of my own, what I like versus what I think most humans like is yelling and shouting and screaming is fine in very small amounts when you're trying to get a specific outcome, but yelling and screaming and shouting for the sake of yelling and screaming and shouting doesn't work. No one likes that. And so a lot of, some of the staff, when I was there would just yell and scream and shout for the sake of yelling and screaming and shouting. I'm like, dude, like I said, in my head, I get like a mental middle finger of being like, stop it. I know what I, I know what I did. I know what I need to do. I'm working here. Like stop screaming. Cool. Let me do my thing. And so it lets, a, it doesn't treat, it's not pejorative. And so at practice, a guy like Tom Manning, a guy like Matt Campbell are more of like, would stay towards the offense more. Um, at least he was on that on this day, but the offensive I think staff, they, they always are just like lingering over towards the offensive line group. Yeah. From what I've been told, they just always are. They're like, it's like flies to light. Yeah. And so they, but they, that's that, those personalities, I didn't hear Campbell shout. He, he speaks loudly to, you know, just to project across the field, but I didn't hear him shout of saying like, Hey, go out, do something, whatever. Like it was just like, a very calm, assertive voice and Haycock's the same way. There are a couple coaches that, you know, come on, run like that kind of trying to get somebody that's being lazy to do effort, but it was a very respectful atmosphere. And I mean that from player or coaches down to players, which then goes from players to players. I didn't see any chippiness in spring ball. We would fight all the time just because you're so pissed. I do know that there's been some talking between some of the cornerbacks and Brock Purdy, they're trying to get in his head, which happens like that's it's competition that happens. Well, I think it's all in good fun too. Right. That's That's the difference. We would like fight. Yeah. Like there were fights that happened in practice because it was a little, so I'd want to fight you too. Yeah. I actually was never really involved in fight fights. I was involved. My favorite part of fights was if some two people are fighting each other, it's pretty much no holds barred to get them off of each other. And so I'd like, just grab someone by the back of the shoulder pads and just like hip toss them away from somebody. That was the fun part. It's just throwing a human. Um, but the, the attitude at practice was, who, who very was the respectful. best fight you ever saw 
best fight or most, oh my God, is this happening fight? Have I not? Both, have both. I, huh. You don't even have to use names if you don't want to. It's five years. We're five years removed. So it was in bowl prep. I honestly might, probably have told this story on here. Um, and this will be the last one because I got to go. It's nice outside. And I'm going to go golf. Um, You've got your red on too. What? you got your red on to go play golf. Oh, yeah. I almost, I was, I teared up a little bit with Tiger Hug. Okay, tell your story. But anyway, so it's bowl prep for the Liberty Bowl. And um, it was a practice like that's during dead week or it's right after finals. And so everybody's just mentally exhausted. And it was kind of more of a, one of the grinder style practices and just nobody wanted to be there. And it started off and there were certain, when I talk about a very respectful atmosphere between coaches and from coaches to players, there were certain coaching staff that was on our staff that would deliberately like shit talk players that, so like uh, a, a, an offensive coach at one position that their one-on-ones were against another position. So theoretically like offensive defensive line would go against each other in pods and wide receivers and corners go against each other in pods and running backs and linebackers go against each other. And so some of the coaching staff would shit talk the other side's pods players just because they're, they thought it was kind of competitive. But what that did is that like raised the temperature level of the, of the team. Like you don't trash most dudes that are playing college football don't receive trash talk very well. They're, they're not, they're not going to brush it off their shoulder. And be like, man, F off. Like I will fight you right now. So that kind of raised the temperature of it. And so we get to inside, which is inside run is the stupidest drill on earth. So, I mean, it, it's fine a couple times, but it's, Hey defense, we're going to run the ball. There's no threat of passing. Mm -hmm. So everybody plays, they don't take their read steps. Defense doesn't take a read step. They just run as hard downhill as they possibly can. If you even throw the laziest play action fake of all time, you can score a touchdown 30 times in a row in inside drill because it's not realistic, but we're an inside drill. And so because it's such a violent downhill, the defense plays downhill. The offense knows that defense is going to be playing downhill. There's just ridiculous collisions. And because of that, again, there's trash talk. This seems safe in practice when you've got guys that probably would prefer to not get hurt. No wonder they had so many people get hurt in practice back then. Inside, just everybody in inside, like everybody does inside drill and just depending on how much it's a stupid drill. I hate it. But anyway, you have to practice running at some time, but the there it's during inside and there's like two guys that are just getting heated at each other and they didn't like without using names, they're just getting mad at each other because they had come from one-on-ones. It was offensive defensive lineman. They were mad at each other during one-on-ones because again, somebody's trash talking somebody else. And there was like a little bit of like an after the whistle, like a shove. And then everybody kind of got between them and it was like, all right, that's enough. We'll go back. And it was the defensive guys turn to rotate out and it was actually Shane put him back in because Shane was a guy that like loved competitive fire. And so the offensive guy wasn't at a time to rotate out, probably should have been, but he didn't. Anyway, so they, they, those two guys that had taken a little, a little bit after practice or after the whistle shove, they get both put back in and what's going to happen next. As those two get real pissed at each other, somebody takes a cheap shot at someone. I don't remember who did it first. And then somebody ends up on the ground. And then when somebody ends up on the ground, the buddy on the side of the ball that is on the ground is trying to get the other guy who's on top of him off. And then that guy joins in and there's another person that's trying to get that guy off. And all of a sudden, everybody's in. And so there was a whole, like an off, the, everybody was an inside and everybody was on, on 
like inside drill for offense and defense just ended up in this mud puddle of people. And it wasn't that people were swinging at each other, but they weren't not. And there was one, like we ended up running forever for this because we should have, because it was stupid. And again, like my reaction to this is generally pretty level-headed. And so I see somebody, like I see when this guy gets put back in on defense, I'm like, son of a bitch. Like, this is not gonna end well. And then he starts going down. I think I audibly sighed out loud, like, (sighs) but right before I ran in, like, damn it. And so anyway, I like start trying to just peel people off. Well, somebody else is trying to do that as well. And there is a, uh, a, a player that was, because there's like onions, like there's a layer of a person trying to pull a layer of a person who's trying to pull a person off, who's trying to pull a person off. And so- You guys are basically like uh, the monkeys in the barrel. Right. And so just a cluster of people. So anyway, somebody is trying to pull someone off and he does like a, like grab him by the back of the shoulder pads. And this is a lineman. So it's a larger dude. And so I think the guy that's trying to pull him off is more of a skill guy. And so not going to happen. So he goes to like move, like pull his his shoulders or hips or like move him back. And the guy kind of does like a get off me, like put his arm behind him, like wave, like stop. And then he does it again. And the dude turns around and is going to cold cock somebody because that's what adults do. Stupid. Anyway, this, (laughs) while they all have helmets, while while you all have helmets on, why? Like, what is the point guys? So anyway, this skill guy ducks and turns around and the player cold cocks a GA, like down, boom, that stopped at the fight for everybody. So cold cocks a GA, knocks him out and he lays down on the ground. And so like we ran for a very long time after this and like that was the most intense fight that I had seen because it was like nobody, because we had come in hot like because it was after finals like or after before it was around finals time no one wanted to be there we wanted to like let our brains sit for a second and then it was just shit talking that came and then it started to be a fight and then it should have been like prevented before it happened but it didn't and it got put back in and there was just at that point it just everybody sparked and so like that was the biggest fight that i had seen or had been a part of um and that was like again in my head i'm thinking like why in the hell are you trying to punch another human with a hard plastic shell over his head. What is the, what is the point? Well, in his defense, he, he didn't punch the guy with the hard plastic shell on his head. He didn't. No, he punched a dude that was not wearing anything. I think he like chipped that guy's tooth too. I feel bad for that guy. You wouldn't if you knew who it was. I'll, I'll tell you afterwards. But it like, that was probably the most intense fight. And so that type of contentious atmosphere, atmosphere was very much not present at practice, it was very respectful to each other, which I think, like I said, comes from both offensive and defensive staff and the head coach all the way down as they respect each other laterally as a staff, they respect their players, and then therefore the players respect each other because that's just how the culture of the program is gonna be. So I thought, like I said, I would have loved to play for the staff because they would find a place for my personality to fit in or my, my skill set to fit in, but also it's a very respectful, they're gonna take their, like, like I always use coach Pope as a positive example because he did the same thing as he would, you know, he wasn't a grab you by the face mask guy. He's going to grab you by the shoulder pads and like coming like, Hey, so see what you see here is what, what'd you see when you're out there? This linebacker did this. Okay. Well, from a distance, if that linebacker does this again, do this, this, and this. Oh, cool. I'll try that next time. And it's a, it's a respectful, I trust you as a person to take this coaching rather than why didn't you do this? So I, I think the, the tenor of that when they talk about culture is that, that is what culture is, is they're going to give you freedom. They're going to have hard boundaries inside that freedom of 
if you're disrespectful to women, if you're doing whatever out, off the field, if you're not taking care of academics, they're going to give you freedom to a very, to a point, but that line is a very hard line is just stay inside this box is you have to do these minimal few things well. And outside of that, be your own person. So I thought, uh, I'm very, I think Iowa state is in a place of success for a while because of the culture that's been established. And so you're getting down to the finer points of, like I said, with Purdy as timing, as ball placement, as reads, you're getting with an outside receiver, being able to be a, a, a vertical threat that can potentially be something. Uh, so otherwise, I thought, I think the, the program is in a very good spot. And again, it's a very small sample size of being at a practice, but every practice or group or walkthrough or lift or something that I've been to has that same respectful environment around players to coaches, coaches to coaches, players to players. It, it's just, it, it's a very positive place to be. I would have loved to be there as a player. All right, dude, go shoot low. I'm going to probably be over 100. Admittedly, it's my first outing of the year. I haven't played golf in like five years, so... I'm, I'm normally like by the end of the season, I'll be hopefully in like 90 plus or minus five strokes usually. And, but at the start of the season, it's a little windy today, but it's nice. Where are we playing? Briarwood. Mm, okay. Going with a person who's a member. Nice. I'm not a member of Briarwood. I don't have that kind of cheese. Sharp, sharp cheddar? Sharp. Sharp cheddar. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's been Football and Random Things in the Carl Chevrolet Studios. Talk to you guys again next week. Peace.